It was the Lord that gave you the idea of pulling in this parking lot. And when you got in the parking lot and the devil said, go home, you're tired, whatever, something said, stay. Hallelujah. God was speaking to you. God has the answer to your problem. God has the answer to your situation. Backsliders who have come in and those that have come in, don't worry about who looked at you funny. Don't worry about what anybody thinks about you. You are here today because you want something from God. And I ask you this morning that you will tune everything out and tune everybody out and say to the Lord, speak to my heart. Speak to my mind. And any distractions that I have that would distract me from hearing from you, move them, Lord, so that I can be blessed and get what you have for me. Lord, we thank you and praise you today. We glorify you. God, we need to hear from you. The broken need a word. The hurt needs a word. We're in need of you this morning. God, I decrease that you may increase. I'm nothing but a vessel. And I need you to pour into me this morning that I can pour into your people. You're the fountain. I'm the pitcher. And they're the cups pouring to me that I can pour into them. I'm not here asking for God anything special just to hear from you. Just for you to speak. God, I'm nothing. I'm nothing without you. I'm nothing. I don't want any glory. I don't want any praise. I don't want any honor. God, I want you to be glorified. But save somebody. God, touch some broken heart. And God, while we're preaching to save somebody, help us to save ourselves. And we praise you. And we glorify you in Jesus' name. Everybody put your hand together and give God praise. I'll be speaking to you this morning. We do thank God for the water baptism in Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongue as the Spirit of God give utterance for abiding steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. I pray that I can get everybody's attention this morning as I get ready to speak and minister and that if there are children here that could be a distraction to the parents or anyone, I pray that you kind mothers and sisters who are mature in handling children would go by and move your seat if you have to, to, to affect them. Sometimes children are not as sensitive to the spirit, and sometimes when they're cutting up and responding, it's not them. Sometimes the devil is agitating them so the mother or the parent can't get the message. So I need good saints who will go and help them. Amen. We thank God for our first lady, Sister Coward. Uh, I want to thank God for all of our elders and leaders that are here, uh, our board of bishops and everyone. This morning I'm going to speak to you from the message, your problem was in his plans. Your problems were in his plan. And I'll be talking to you again from the book of Genesis chapter 1. And I'd like you to get your Bible and follow along with me as I minister 
and I'm going to talk about creation and predestination. You may be seated. Genesis 1 and 1 says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. As I said on last night, last week, if you can't get behind that, you can't get in. You can't get that. You can't get anything else in the Bible, because the whole Bible is based upon that verse. That in the beginning God created. So everything that's around you was created by God. It didn't happen by no mistake. God created it. But encompassing in that in the beginning God created heaven and earth is not just talking about God creating an earth and a heaven and a place, but God also created and offered everything that will go on in time. So not does he, only does he create the heaven and the earth, but every activity that goes on in the earth when God created it, he created that. He created your birth, the day you were going to be born, your funeral, the day you were going to die, and every aspect of your life that has ever happened, it was created from the beginning. God knew that. He knew who you were. He knew who you were going to be. All right, let me, let me give you this so you can understand. You and I, we look at life as it comes. But God doesn't look at life as it comes. God has created all of the activities of the earth. Give me Isaiah chapter 46 and 10. The end of life has been already declared from the beginning. Isaiah 46 and 10. 46 and 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am the Lord and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasures. God said he declared the end from the beginning. So that at the very beginning, God had already planned the end out. That's why you can read Revelation about things that have not come to pass yet and God already tells you about those things that are going to come. Because God has declared the end from the beginning. Go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Follow me. 3 and 14. Ecclesiastes 3 and 14. Can we say praise the Lord? Ecclesiastes 3 and 14, listen, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Whatever God does, it's forever. And nothing can be put to it. So whatever God done, it's forever, and nobody can add or take away from what God has already said. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. Listen at verse 15. Let's read that together on the count of three. One, two, three. That which has been is now. What does that mean? Whatever you got now has already been. And that which is to be has already been. Hallelujah. And God, and that which is to be has already been. And God required that which is past. So what means whatever is coming, God has already done it. That means the, the life that, that, that you're living is not a surprise to God. When you got sick, 
God wasn't surprised about you getting sick because he already knew in the plan that he would get sick. When you failed, God already knew in, the, in time that you would get sick. He's not caught by surprise. He is in the past. He's in the present. And he's in the future. That's what it means. He is. He was. And is to come. Get the book of Revelation. Somebody say hallelujah. Revelations chapter 1 and 8. Hallelujah. Y'all with me? 1 and 8. I'm Alpha and Omega. What do you mean I'm Alpha and Omega? I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, I, I want to give you an, uh, so you can understand God. Now, if your destination is from Miami to New York, you are in Miami but you're not in New York. You have to go from Miami to New York to be there. And when you get to New York, you're not still in Miami because you're limited. But God can be in Miami, leave from Miami, and is in Miami when he gets there. When you look at God as past, present, and future, God is still in the past. The past has passed you by, but God is still there. That's why he can even fix your past. Even though your past has passed, he's still there. And then God is in the present, and, 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 and God is already in Wednesday of next week. God is already in Friday of next week. That's why I can pray today about something that's going to happen Friday and God can orchestrate it and when Friday comes, he's already fixed it. They told you the money is due Friday, but you prayed Sunday and God is over there on Friday and say, I'm going to fix it. Oh God, he's good. He is. He was. And he is to come. Somebody say hallelujah. It's really hard for us to understand God because everything we know, we learn it about in the earth. And so our minds are limited because everything we do, we do around time. And everything we do, we do around our limitations. And because of that, when we think of God, we think of God the same way we think of God. So when, when, when Lazarus had died, they came to Jesus and said, if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. As if time limits him. Because once you're dead, it's done. And Jesus said, you're going to see your brother again. She said, no, I know I'm going to see him in the, in the resurrection, but that's the future. But Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're looking at resurrection as a time, but I am. Resurrection is not just an event. I am the resurrection. So although you're waiting for the resurrection, which has not come yet, I can resurrect somebody now because there becomes a time when God becomes time. Amen. And so God can do whatever he wants to, whatever he wants to. So if he can't get there at 12 o'clock, he can take the world and make it like a stop clock and make the sun stand still, do what he have to do and start time over again. So when you're dealing with God, you don't worry about how much time you got, how much money you got, and what the world, because those are limitations. But God is not limited by the world. He doesn't live here. He, amen, he's beyond this. When you look at God, 
when you look at God, you have to look at him. And every now and then, God wants you to look at him like you look at yourself. Anybody got fish? You got a fish tank? You watch those fish? You're not in the tank with the fish. You're not limited by those glass walls of the fish. The fish has to stay with those, with those confines. And the fish depend upon you to sprinkle food in to eat. The fish depend upon you to change the water. God sits back and look into the earth. Just like you go and put your little fish on there to feed the fish, God sits back in the earth. And then anything that you want to change about that fish tank, you don't have to get the fish permission to do it. They can't stop you. If you wanted to take your hand in there and pull one out and throw them out, they can't stop you. If you wanted to, to set a, a, a bowl of chili in the middle of the fish tank, they can't stop you. God, and, 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 and whatever you wanted to orchestrate in that fish tank, that's yours, and you do what you want. And, and God can sit back. And whatever God wants to do in the earth, God can do that. And to have connection with a God like that who can move cancer. Cancer is a limitation to your doctor. Cancer is a limitation to man. It's not a limitation to God. Amen. Financial problems is your problem, but that's not God's problem. Amen. Y'all ought to say hallelujah. In the book of Romans chapter 8 and 28, he gives this particular scripture, Romans 8 and 28. You with me today? When you understand this scripture, you should understand it on a better level. 8 and 28. And we know. Somebody say, we know. We know that all things. Amen. Are y'all with me? Somebody ought to say, Hallelujah. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the call according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among every creature. He said, uh, uh, for we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, who are the call according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, them also he also predestinated. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. When you deal with the word predestination, you have two words there. Pre and destine. Or pre and destination. What that means is that the destiny that you have, when you are in the purpose of God, it has already been set. Your victory has already been set. Our problem is just know your destination. Don't worry about what's in between. He didn't give you all the information of where you're going or what you're going to get through, but he promised you that all things will work together for the good. I, I, I put my GPS on the other day because I didn't know where I was going. But all I had to do is put the destination in. Now, when I put that destination in, that GPS took me through curves, it took me through woods, it took me through highways, and then I got on this, 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 this road that was a dirt road. And then I started wondering. But I didn't want to cut the GPS off because I know back there I might have not been able to pick up service again. 
but I had to trust that when I put my destination in, that regardless of where I was going, that my GPS knew how to lead me out of it. I'm saying to you, there are sometimes on your way to victory, you go through some curves. On your way to victory, you go through some back roads. On your way to victory, you go in some woody roads. But remember, look at the GPS, the destiny is still victory. And I want you to understand your destiny is still victory. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care where you are. God says, I've already got a destiny of victory for you. Can you put your hand together and give God a praise and say hallelujah? Look at somebody and say, the GPS is still set. We're still headed to victory. My God, can somebody give God a praise? <laughs> Come on, give him another praise and tell God thank you. I want somebody to praise God about where you are right now. Give God a praise and say hallelujah. Thank God about what you're going through right now because there's a lot of people that's going through something. I want you to praise him right now and give God the victory and say hallelujah. You were chosen by God, not when you got saved. We often think we choose God, but really the fact of the matter is you didn't really choose God. God chose you before you were saved, before you were born, but you decided in time to choose him. So how God works is outside of time before the foundation of the world began. Before he set the moon in place, before the star was set, he said, Maxine is going to do my will. I'm going to save her. That's for the predestined. I'm going to save her. I'm going to deliver her. And then inside of time, he said, now this is going to happen. Look at the book of Ephesians 1 and 4. According as he has chosen us in him, not in your mama, not in your daddy, but God chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and walk blameless before him. Let me tell you something. That holiness that you have in your life, that salvation that you have in your life, God said he chose you in him before the foundation of the earth. I didn't just get saved. I didn't just come to God. God had that set. Before the foundation of earth. I found out about it in this generation, but God had already set it up before the world began. So the fact is that you ought to think about it. Amen. When you give God the praise that you didn't get saved because you got saved, you got saved because God destined it for you to be saved. Can you give him a praise and say thank you? Verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ and himself according to his good pleasure of his glory. I think that's important for us to understand and the reason God wants you to come to the grips that God himself, amen, decided to save you because a lot of us, uh, we get this notion and we get this bragging point about us like other people are dumb that are not saved and we're smart and that we made this real nice choice to be saved. But if you really think about it, there are times that you didn't want to be saved. Don't everybody look like deep, but there are times that you didn't want to be saved and find yourself still trying to be saved 
not want to be saved, but something wouldn't let you give up. So my salvation is not based upon me because now you are in the church struggling with things that you are fighting with that you don't have to fight with. You don't have to fight with not having this and not having that. You can walk out when you want to, but what's giving you the will to stay here when your flesh is saying, I want this, but something say, but you just can't give it all up. It's God. What are struggles for? What are flesh problems for? What are sexual desires for? What are craves for drinking and drugs for? It's to show you that salvation is greater than you. Because you can have any man you want, any time you want. You can smoke any dope you want, any time you want. But yet, somehow, you just haven't given it all up. You struggling with stuff you don't have to struggle with. You fighting with stuff you don't have to struggle. You got somebody done text you, done called you, and told you, come on, let's do this thing. But yet, something in you saying, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. Where you think that's coming from? That's God in you keeping your will, keeping your desires. I'm not saved because of y'all. I don't care if you know what I drink. I don't care if you know what I smoke. You can't beat me. You got your life and I got my life. But something way down inside of me keep telling me to go ahead. It's the will of God. And our fleshly struggles, our fleshly battles, it's just God showing us that it's something greater than you. That's why I keep coming. Pastor, I smoke dope, but I still came this morning. Pastor, I'm drinking, but I still came this morning. And there's some people that just, I can't totally give up. I can't totally just backslide. I can't totally just turn around. What is that in me that's keeping me? What is that just keeping me from going every weekend to the club? What is that in me when the opportunity is there, but I just can't stop it? Grab somebody by the hand and say, he's saving me. I come to the realization that it's greater than me. Look at somebody and tell them, my salvation is greater than me. You ought to grab somebody by the hand, look them in the eye and say, God is saving me. Hallelujah. Tell them, he's saving me. Now, y'all don't act like you know what I'm talking about. Tell them, he's saving me. Tell him I might have went back a long time ago. I would have turned away a long time ago. But I know there's a divine destiny in my life. Amen. What do you got people who are just holding on and fighting and battling and struggling? That's God showing you that salvation was not just your choice. Even you all that find yourself coming in and out, in and out, in and out. Why don't you just go out and just not stay? Just leave it alone at all. Because when you get ready, something bothers you. You'll stay away six months, come back another. Stay away a year and come back another. And something hits you where you are and say, you need to get back to God. And God got a plan. I know the devil telling you to mess up so many times, you keep messing up. He's in the back of your mind telling you to mess up. But God got a plan. God said, I, I plan to save you. I plan to save you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how many times you slipped up. I don't care how many times. God said, I plan to save you. 
and I knew about all of your failures. I know about all, because sometimes the problem is is that uh, when God saves us and we find ourselves failing, we feel that God just has wiped us out of the equation, and God said, I don't want anything else to do with them because that's how we do with people. And I can't understand how God knows everything. I want you to get this quickly. Go with me in the book of, 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 of uh, I want to get uh, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And I want you to get verse, hallelujah, uh, verse number 18. And I say also unto thee that thou, Peter, upon this rock, I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus gives you ministry, and, he, and hear this, and calls not based upon him knowing just part of the story. Let me give you an example. If I gave Ivan $5,000, and I knew that Ivan was a thief. Once I get the information I know about Ivan is a thief, once I get the information that I know Ivan would take money, if somebody say, give Ivan the job to take the money from the church to the bank, I'm not going to give him that job. Because I know he's a thief. But that's all I know. But if I know that Ivan is a thief, and then I know beyond Ivan's sin that Ivan is a thief, but one day Ivan is going to be a millionaire. And if I don't have that relationship with that millionaire, Ivan, when he gets there, I can't get what I want. See, God doesn't just stop where you sin or where you mess up. He looked beyond your fault. Did he know that Peter was going to curse? Did he know that Peter was going to lie? He told Peter, Satan desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And he said, you know what? You're going you're gonna to mess up. And you're going to deny me. But don't worry about it. I prayed for you. Now, somebody would discredit Peter who got keys. A cussing apostle with a set of keys. Keys to the kingdom of heaven. And Harlan, he don't know Jesus. Praise the Lord. And somebody will say, why would you give him the keys? And some of us in our looking at that person will say, you missed him because there's no way you can give him that job and know that he's going to do what he's going to do. How can you, and even some of you are wondering about why God has called you and you have so messed up and have done so much, and the devil will start bothering you about your situation. No, pastor must be wrong. That, that prophecy can't be you. That job can't be you because look at where you are and look at how you messed up. Yeah, God looks further than your mistake. Amen. God goes beyond the stop sign. And what you got to remember, praise the Lord, there are stop signs that come in your life, but a stop sign is not the end of the journey. When you're traveling, you stop at a stop sign, and some of you are 
all think that it's over, you're just at a stop sign in your life. Some of you that think ministry's over, you're at a stop sign in your life. And when you're on a stop sign, you don't turn the car off. You don't take the keys out. You put your feet on the brake. And when the right time is over, take your feet off the brake and you're going to keep on moving. I want to tell you, this little mess up that you have in your life, this little place that you have in your life, it's not the end of your destination. Don't turn the key off. Don't take the key out. Just move your feet off the brake and you're going further with the Lord. My God, grab somebody by the hand and tell them you just set a stop sign. My God, can you give God a praise and say hallelujah? Can you give God a praise and say hallelujah? I'm talking to backsliders today. Grab somebody and tell them there's a message after your mess up. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Look at them again and tell them there's a message after your mess up. Amen. You know, I see a whole lot of backsliders and a whole lot of people that are coming in. But I want to tell you, there is a message after your mess up. Peter messed up. Peter denied it. Peter cursed. But on the day of Pentecost, he still had a message. You still have a message in you. You mean to tell me he cursed, he lied, and messed up. But on the day of Pentecost, the Lord said, preach, Peter. Preach, Peter. Somebody here today that the devil has told you that there's no hope for you. You are backslidden so far that God can't use you. People at the church looking at you funny. Everybody else looking at you funny. But we're not worrying about that. God said there's still purpose. There's still a word. There's still a message. Somebody said, why you keep coming to church? You're messing up because I'm looking for God to fix me. Why you keep coming to church? You're smoking dope. I'm looking for God to fix me. And all you all lip, lip lookers, amen, and looking at my lips to wonder what color my lips are. Keep on looking. One of these days I'm going to speak in tongue as the Holy Ghost give utterance. All of you sniffers walking around like you're a canine trying to smell what people got on them. Don't you worry about what I got on you. The Holy Ghost is going to touch me. I come here because I believe the word of the prophet. And I believe that my life may be messed up. My life may be scattered. But if I can get in the midst of a prophet, just like in the valley of dry bones, as Ezekiel begin to prophesy, things begin to get together. All I'm telling you backsliders, don't stay home, amen, on Sunday morning. Don't stay away from church. Don't just say I'm not coming because I'm messed up. Because it takes a word sometimes to put you together. And little by little, I believe if you come in here while I'm preaching, little by little, things are going to fall together. Things are going to come together. There is a word that will bring you back together. There's a word that will put you back together. God knows your destiny. Can somebody say hallelujah? Tell somebody God knows my destiny. I wish somebody could praise God right now. I'm closing, but somebody give him praise right now. My salvation is not based upon my decision alone. First Peter 1 and 20. Who valid were foreordained before the foundation of the world. What was made manifest in these last uh, times for you. Second Peter, one and Second Timothy, one and nine. Just bear with me a little bit. Second Timothy, one and nine. Hallelujah! And I'm 
going to get out of your way, but 2 Timothy 1 and 9, it says, who has saved us? Hallelujah. Somebody say, who has saved us? That's 2 Timothy 1 and 9, and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Timothy goes back to our salvation that it began before the world began. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, I'm so glad I found out I was saved. <laughs> Tell them again, I'm so glad I found out I was saved. Salvation is a, is a revealing thing. It's a revealing thing. It, he revealed to me when I made the decision that I thought was my decision. And, and let, let me, let me, let me kind of give you, explain to you how God works in his predestined will. All right? I take a car and I run you down. I take you to that car and run you down to a dead end. And there's a street to the right on that road and a street to the left. I take you down and, and, and put you on that dead end road. Which way can you go? Right or left? Who makes that choice to go right or left? Who made that choice? You did? No, you didn't. Because I put you on that road. And if I put you on that road, you wouldn't have no other choice to make the choice that I have put out there. So when I put you on the road, although you thought you made the choice, you only made the choice that was there for you to make. So God know how to run you into a hole. Hallelujah. He know how to run your life into a dead end that you really think you're making the choice, but he run you in there. You ain't got no choice but to be saved. He will, he will, he will run you into a corner and block you there. And you say, I'm so glad I decided. No, no, he put you in such a condition. You had no choice but to decide to be saved. So you thought you made it a choice. But after you went through all that hell and was sitting nowhere, you had to say, Lord, save. So he forced you to make a choice that you thought was your choice. Making us feel like we got some liberty. But really, he's got it. I put you in the house and locked the door. I put eggs, cheese, butter, and milk, some crackers, some sardines in the refrigerator. Lock the door. That's the only thing you got. You go in the refrigerator and decide that you're going to eat something. Well, you say, I made a decision to eat the sardines. No, you didn't. I gave you only those options to make. And you made the decision based upon what was there. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. Can somebody give God a praise and say, thank you, God. Look at somebody and say, thank God he set me up to be saved. My God, can somebody give him a praise? Tell him he set me up to be saved. Tell him he set me up to be saved. That's why, and I'm saying this, get Ephesians 2 and 9, I'm saying this lest we feel like we got bragging rights. Because we look at the rest of the world stupid. Why they ain't gotten saved? Why all of this? But look at the book of Ephesians chapter 29. Not of works, lest any should boast. You didn't get this by works that you should boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, the good work which God has before ordained that ye should walk in him. He before ordained that we should walk in him. Listen, everybody in this building that's saved, you ought to praise God that he made the choice to save you. When, 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 now, now when I walk into the church, I thank God for saving me. I thank God for delivering me. Can you give God a praise for your salvation? Somebody praise God for your salvation. I wish you would take just a few minutes and just praise him and give him the glory because the life you live, you don't live it by yourself. The walk you walk, you don't walk it by yourself. Amen. Give God the praise. Thank you for saving me. We can thank God for a lot of things, saints. We thank him for houses, cars, land. We thank him for all these blessings. And I watch a lot of people who are excited about money and material things. But man, you better thank God for saving you in a time like this. Amen. You ought to thank God for salvation. Thank God for the mind that you got. Thank God for the thoughts that you got. Thank God for the life you live. Somebody ought to give God praises in the building and say, thank you, Jesus. Somebody don't have that mind to serve God. And this, in this world that we're living in today, to be saved is complicated. Because there are so many religions and so many things that are out there that people just don't even grasp the concept of God. But I'm thanking you, God, that I'm built the way I am. I'm shaped the way that I am. I think the way that I am. I thank you, God, because there are so many people who are anti-God. I thank God that I have a mind to even serve him, a mind to even glorify him, a mind to even thank him. Can you put your hand together and tell God, thank you. And to think that God has predestined me. God has planned this. God has set it up. That means every failure that I thought was a failure, everything that I thought was bad, everything that I thought was going wrong with my life, God already planned it. God already set it up. It's important for you to know that so that when you're there, you don't act surprised. Your surprise is not God's surprise. And faith in God is to trust him on the journey. To trust that he won't let nothing come on me that I can't handle. To trust him that even when I come in the point that I'm, I'm struck with a cancer or a disease, even when I fail, I can say, God, you know where I was going to do. You know where I was going to go. You know what was going to come upon me. And God, you got this. Sitting back. Letting God handle it. If I'm living in a world that I'm, I don't know where my next move at, I don't know what's going to happen next, and I don't have confidence that God got me, it will throw you into total mental distress. Waking up one morning, going to the job, and they tell you you fired. And you've been working a job 20 years, and you don't know where the money going to come from to take care of the, best, the rest of your bills going to the hospital and getting the news that you're terminally ill and got five or six months to live. Things happening in life that are just unexpected. I wish life was like driving. When you drive on a road, you have all these signs that tell you there's a curve ahead. All these signs that say there's a cliff ahead and you can prepare and drive based upon what you're knowing. But man, praise the Lord, when you are living life, life throw you a curve that you don't know nothing about. I've been studying, and I, won't, I really have been studying this Tesla car that they got out. 
which is a unique car. It's different. It seems to know curves. It seems to know. And I saw somebody the other day, they were telling me they wasn't supposed to be doing it, but I saw somebody, they were just sitting back in the car, relaxing, and the car was driving. I don't forgot who I was with. Was that me and Eddie? I said, man, ain't nobody driving that car. Me and Eddie was together. So that's a Tesla. I said, what? And I said, now, you know, I wouldn't trust nothing like that. The devil be done got in that car and said, yeah, he's preaching all this stuff. I'm taking him right over the cliff right here today. I said, no, you wouldn't get me in one of them. But to sit and watch a man in the front seat of a car laid back. Amen. Eddie and I was watching it. And the car is driving. And he's sitting relaxed back. This man has put his confidence in a piece of iron. He put his confidence in a Tesla, a car that is going to take him where he's going, and he's sitting back and relaxed. Let me tell you something. God is more trustworthy than a car. God is more trustworthy than a Tesla. And if a man can sit in a car, relax, and read his book, and let the car drive it, why don't you get in God and relax and let God take the wheel. Let God take you through this. They're going to trust that car through the mountains. Going to trust that car to take them through the valley. Going to trust that car to take them through the curves. And there are some valleys. There are some hills, but they trust that car. In your life, it's not just a straight path. Everything ain't good. There's some curves. There's some mountains. There, but David said, yay, though, I walk through the valley. And if I'm on the mountain, if I'm on the valley, I'm going to trust that God's got me covered. I God, somebody say hallelujah. Can you give God a praise and say hallelujah? Amen. Reach over and tell somebody God's got you covered. Amen. Tell them through the mountains he got you covered. My God, tell them through the valleys he got you covered. Won't he cover you, honey? He'll cover you through a bad marriage. He'll cover you through financial difficulties. He'll cover you through sickness. How many of you have ever had to trust God to carry you through something that you didn't know your way, you didn't know how you was coming out, but God brought you out of it? And some of you all that don't act like you don't trust God, look at what you've been through. Look at how many times you went through something and didn't know how you were coming out of it, and you came out of it. Isn't God trustworthy? How many times have you didn't know where the money was coming from, but it came? How many times were you diagnosed with sicknesses that you came out? And I've got people here who have been diagnosed with HIVs, who have been diagnosed with AIDS, who have been diagnosed with cancer, and some of you all when they went back to get your diagnosis they couldn't find a thing. It was God that carried you through. I saw some of you about to lose your house, about to lose your mind, but God carried you through it. That's why you ought to praise him and give him glory and trust him. Glory to God. Can you give God a praise and say hallelujah? 
Somebody say hallelujah. Look at somebody and say you can trust God when you can't see your way. You can trust God. And the wonderful thing about these cars, amen, they are set up so until praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Even when it rains, the Tesla can see in the rain. The Tesla can see in the dark. Amen. When I was flying, they, they, they showed me that in fight it gets dark. And when you're up in the sky, there are no street lights. When you're up in the sky, there's no stop sign. But you got an instrument that you got to take your trust out of yourself and put yourself in the instrument and the instrument will take you where you're going. There's a thing on a plane called an automatic pilot and the pilot just put it on and let me tell you, you need to sit back when you can't see your way put yourself on automatic pilot and say, Lord, carry me the rest of the journey. Don't jump out of the plane. Don't stop. Keep trusting God. He can carry you through. Can you give God a praise and say hallelujah can somebody give God a praise and say hallelujah grab somebody by the hand and tell them God can carry you through it God can bring you through it hey man I want you to trust God and this morning every single person that came in here that got things that you're dealing with you don't know what's going to happen you don't know I want you to stand on your feet and give God a praise and tell God thank you God I praise you I praise you I praise you I praise you for the unknown I pray I don't know where the money is coming from I don't know where this is going to come in my body, but I praise you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Tell somebody it's predestined that you'll come through this. It's predestined that God will save you. It's predestined that God will heal you. It's predestined that God will bring you out. It's predestined that God will deliver you. My God, I wish somebody here could praise God. Hey, but I've had somebody the other day that came to me, uh, and they had a diagnosis that they had been diagnosed with a condition. Somebody came to me about some tests that they're supposed to go through to the doctor. Amen. And to see what their condition was. Amen. And the doctors have come up. Amen. That they found this particular particular spot uh, found this particular knot but God is a healer and let me share something with you for the saint of God he was wounded for our transgression bruised for our iniquity the chastisement was our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed somebody say hallelujah tell somebody I was healed before cancer attacked my body I was healed before the doctor gave me the diagnosis I was healed before I got the report Somebody say hallelujah. Can you give God a praise and say hallelujah? Amen. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, I want a second opinion. When you're dealing with God, you don't stop at what man says. Amen. When you're dealing with God, you don't stop at what doctor's reports say. When you deal with God, he goes beyond man's limitations. Somebody say hallelujah. Can you put your hand together and give God a praise? The Bible declared, I'm closing, that there was a blind man in John chapter 9. And when they passed by John chapter 9, uh, the, the Pharisees and the disciples looked at the blind man. And they came to Jesus with a question, say, who did sin that this man was born blind? And the Lord said, Hallelujah. His blindness was not because of sin. It was not because of his parents.
but it was that God may be glorified and the will of God may be done. Wait a minute, now that goes pretty deep because the boy was up in his 30s, amen, and looking at his condition, it brought them back to the parents. They said in verse 3, Jesus answered, they said, who did sin, this man or his parents that he was born by? And Jesus answered, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifested. Everything that goes on in your life is not humanly explained. Every problem is not humanly explained. They wanted to point this man's condition to his parents, but Jesus said, this goes beyond the parents. I orchestrated him to be blind before he was born. So the day that they had that blind baby boy and that boy was born blind, folk was looking at him and said, you see that blind child that she had? Amen. And God was saying, I caused him to be blind because at a certain point in his life, I'm going to pass by and I need somebody to heal so that people can understand I'm a miracle worker. So there's a condition that I have to put him in so that the miracle will be magnified. Some conditions that you're in is not because of you, but God can divinely put you in a problem. Look at somebody and say, a divine problem. See, you got to understand problems and divine problems. Amen. Divine sicknesses, divine diseases, design, the, the, uh, the divine issues. And sometimes when we're dealing with things, Satan wants us to always look for a natural source. But perhaps your condition is a God condition. Amen. Perhaps your sickness is a God sickness. Because if everybody was born healthy, there would be no miracles. If everybody, y'all ain't saying nothing. And so God cannot work miracles for completely healed people. So he had to volunteer some people to be sick. Amen. So what does God do? God picks out a person. Pastor, why did this come upon me? I've been going to church. I've been doing good all of my life. Why did this come to me? God said, pick her out and put cancer on her body. Amen. Not to kill her, not to destroy her, but I need somebody to be a demonstration. You ought to say, praise the Lord. You better be careful how you wave your hand when you're praising God. You've got to be careful how you raise your hand when you're giving God the glory. In school, when we were talking in school, and the teacher would say sometimes, I, I want to give an example. Do I have anybody that will demonstrate? And whenever you wave your hands, the teacher will call you to the front to be a demonstration. You got to be careful how you jump up and raise your hand and say God is able because he may call you for a demonstration. Anybody listen to me anybody that sits in church and wave your hands all the time anybody some of y'all get real good with it you trying to wonder why you got in your trouble because when I was talking about God is a healer you was up there standing up waving your hand and God say pick her out let her be a demonstration y'all ain't saying nothing here so you walk around here from Sunday to Sunday talking about God is able and when God call you to be a demonstration 
Amen. He may put something in your body. He may put something in your mind. But praise the Lord. It's all because God want to show his power. He want to show his ability. What you're going through is a divine situation. And God will you. Oh, shut up, Ahaya. God will use your condition. And it's not limited to sicknesses. It's not limited to diseases. But I want to tell some of you all, even some of you all that are backslidden, and the devil tell you that your ministry is gone, God will take your backslide and show somebody else I can bring backsliders back. Don't you worry about who does not accept you, who does not, amen, receive you. Because your ministry may not be to the church. Hallelujah. Your ministry may not be to them that are in the church. God may use you for the sinner. Amen. God may use you for the backsliders. Amen. Because there are some backsliders that have the capacity of getting backsliders back. I mean, to be honest with you, half of the church can't get a backslider because they're too deep. But when you take a backslider and make up their mind, I want to come back to God. Imagine if all the crackheads, one of them got up and said, I'm going to church. And another crackhead said, if you're going, I'm going. Amen. Sometimes God will take a backslider to get another backslider. Can somebody give God a praise and say hallelujah? Can somebody say hallelujah? Amen. Grab somebody by the hand and say neighbor. Everything that you've been through, God's going to use it for his glory. He predestinated the places that you are. You didn't just come to 3707 Avenue M. Amen. In fact, explain to me how you have no family here. Explain to me how you have no relatives here. Explain to me how you have no connection here. But somehow or another, you find yourself at this church. God orchestrated this. Can you give God a praise and say hallelujah? Can you give God a praise and say hallelujah? How do you get a Baptist that was raised a Baptist? Mama was a Baptist. Grandma was a Baptist. Baptist born. Baptist fed. If I die, I'll be Baptist dead. But somehow the Holy Ghost got a hold of you and you walk around here talking about I'm apostolic. How do you get somebody? Amen. It's God orchestrated. Can you give God a praise and say hallelujah? Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Tell somebody God has a divine connection in your life. I don't care. Some of y'all don't understand the reason that you didn't die in the club. It was the grace of God. The reason why that lace joint didn't mess you up. It was the grace of God. Somebody give God a praise and say hallelujah. Tell somebody it's divine. It's divine. Amen. Grab somebody by the hand and look them in the eye and say when God is true, amen, you'll see that your problems was in God's plan. It was God's plan for the devil to try to take your mind and put you in a park around the corner from the church, amen, to deliver you and get you saved. It was God's divine plan, amen, for Brother DJ to be here. It was God's divine plan for you to cut on the radio in prison and hear me preaching the word of God. It was God's divine plan to bring you from California here. It was God's divine plan to bring you from New York here. It was all in the plan of God. Grab somebody.
somebody by the hand and say, neighbor, God planned this thing. Glory, glory, glory. Put your hand together and give God a praise. Somebody give God a praise and tell somebody because of his plan, ain't nothing the enemy can do. Because of his plan, ain't nothing the enemy can stop. Let me explain something to you. Amen. Listen to me real good. Amen. When you walk into a building and there's a lot of enemies with guns and you don't have on a vest, uh, amen, a bulletproof vest, you walk in, you're fearful of how you walk in. You're fearful how you go in because you're not covered. But when you give a man a bulletproof vest and he understands whatever weapons are coming against him, that they don't prosper, he has a different kind of attitude. He walks in the building with a different kind of mindset because even though the enemy has a gun, I have no respect for him because I understand the powers of his bullets are limited. When I walk in without a vest and he sticks up the gun, I say, hold up your hand. I hold him up. He sticks up a gun. I say, sit down. I sit down. But when I walk in with a bulletproof vest, even though he got the gun, he gets no respect for me because his bullet can't penetrate my bulletproof vest. When you are divine, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, I have no respect for the devil. I have no respect for the devil. He's got a gun. He's got a bullet. But no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I walk in and I walk out. Somebody. Somebody. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, haven't you figured out now whatever the devil's using, it's not working. Haven't you figured out now whatever Holt is using, it's not working because this morning I'm still here. This morning I'm still rejoicing. This morning, somebody say yeah. Somebody say yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, haven't you figured out you don't have to pay your enemies no attention because their bullets are not working. You're still eating, you're still drinking, you're still living. Their eye rolling didn't penetrate the bullet. It didn't stop my money. It didn't stop my plans. See ya! See ya! See ya! Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't give no respect to your haters. Don't give no respect to the demons. Don't pay them no attention. Keep on walking. Keep on praising. Keep on thinking. When you know your divine destiny, you learn how to talk to the devil. When you know your divine destiny, Jesus understood his divine destiny. Then you start working your enemies in your plan. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, give me that chair over there. Work your enemies in your plan. When you realize that your enemy is a part of your plan, you don't start crying and getting upset about your enemies. When you realize, give me that table. Give me that table. 
When you realize that your enemies are in the plan, you use them accordingly. Tell somebody, use them accordingly. When you realize that your enemy is in the plan, when they come to the table, you don't start acting funny and stop speaking. You get your handkerchief, put it on there. Cause he said, I'll prepare a table that pull you in the presence of your enemies. Get your fork, get your spoon, get your plate, get your cup, and sit down and say, enemy, where's my steak? Where's my chicken? Yeah, yeah. Somebody say yeah. Somebody say yeah. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, prepare accordingly. Somebody say yeah. And when it's in the predine destiny of God, you can sit down and do like Jesus when enemies are there. And look Judas dead in the eye and say, Judas, hurry up. You're wasting time. Hurry up. He said, what by doing? Do it quickly. It's good when you can tell the enemy, do it quickly. What you mean? Crucify me. Hurry up and get it over with. Look at somebody and say, tell the devil, hurry up and get it over with. You ain't got for three days. Hurry up. Hurry up and get it over with. Jesus said, Judas, whatever you do, do it quickly. Hurry up. Take me to Calvary. Hurry up. Nail me to the cross. Come on. Get in a hurry because I've got somewhere to go. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, tell my enemy. Hurry up. Tell the lie. Hurry up. Gossip on me. Hurry up. Scatter my name. Hurry up. Do what you're going to do on Facebook. You ain't got no power until you can go on Facebook and like what your enemy said about you. Go in there and like it. Whatever you say, like it. Like it. Because all things... Predestined, 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 predestined. Jesus said, whatever you do, Judas, do it quickly. You need to hurry up because I ain't got but three days and you're wasting time. And you're on a time limit because I don't want to be getting up on no Sunday or no Monday. You need to hurry up and crucify me. I got, I got a time I need to be up. Come on now. You running behind schedule. Come on. Where are my haters? You running behind. Come on, crucify me. Some of y'all been crucified. You've been whipped. You've been buried. You needed that. And look, according to my map, if you've been whipped, crucified, buried, spit on, lied on, you, you do for a resurrection. Woo! 
Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, according to my record, grab somebody by the hand and say, according to my record, I'm due for a resurrection. According to my record, I'm due for a breakthrough. According to my record. Let me look at it. 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 Let me, let, let me look at it. According to my records, my records now, I don't know about y'all, but according to my records, it's been a long night. Mm-hmm. And according to my records, it ain't weeping may endure. Oh, weeping may endure for a night, but joy coming in the morning. Look at your neighbor and say, according to my records, joy is coming. I want you to hear me. As I get ready to close, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me good. Nothing has caught God by surprise. Not even your backsliding. Not even your sicknesses. Not even your financial condition. God knew it. And God got a plan to bring you back. God's got a plan to save you. God's got a plan to deliver you. All you got to do is trust what God has already said. And if every now and then, if you can just get up and say to the Lord, Lord, I have no clue what's going on. I have no clue where I am. Because sometimes in life you get lost. You get lost. One of my, one of my biggest concerns is backsliders and getting back to God. And our, our, our mindset towards the backslider can't be just throwing you away. Can't do that. We have a throwaway mentality, but God can use you. When I look at this church and I see so many people who have recovered from the snare of the enemy. Called somebody the other day because I've been on a I've been on a journey, and you never should compromise sin. That's the first thing. We're not compromising sin, nobody. But not compromising sin don't mean being mean to sinners. And I called a young lady the other day, and I was talking to her. And now, let me get this right. I want to, there's a balance. I want anybody to think. Anybody should be glorifying or gloating or patting you in your wrong. Because that's sometimes what people feel like the church should do. And the church is not to pacify wrong. But sinners, there's still hope. Backsliders, there's still hope. God calculated bringing you back. God put it in there to save you. That's in the plan of God. That's all in God's plan. How many of y'all believe that? 
Lift your hands. How many of you believe that? Why can't you hug me like you did when I was on track? When the prodigal son came home, his father did not hug him. His father did not bring him back. In fact, let me show you that I'm getting ready to go. He was already planning on him coming. It was predestined that he was coming home. In the closet, daddy had clothes. In the jury box, daddy had a ring. They had a fatted calf. What a, a fatted calf was, they take a cow for one year, fatten him up, feed him a special grain, and kill him at the end of the year. He told him, give me the fatted calf. He was already planning a year in advance for him to come home. God's got a plan. God's got a plan for your salvation. You may be smoking dope now. You may be drinking now. You may be in sin now. You may be messed up now. But God has a plan for you. And that plan still works. Stand on your feet. Everybody in this building with me. Stand to your feet. Everybody in the building. Somebody in this building ought to do something. I want to know who's sensitive. I want to feel who's sensitive to the spirit of what God is saying do. God is saying do something right now. God is saying do something. He's speaking. He's speaking. Lift your hands. I want to see who's going who's gonna to get this. But God is saying do after a message like this. Who's getting it? Lift your hands. Lift your hands. God is speaking to somebody. Saying do something. Do something. Do something. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who is that? Who is that? Thank you. God is telling somebody else, you ought to do something. I just want to see who's sensitive. Who's sensitive? Who's sensitive? Who's sensitive? Who's sensitive to what God is saying? Who's sensitive? Who's feeling? I don't want to have to tell anybody to do it. Who's sensitive? Who's sensitive? A few are picking it up. Who's sensitive? Who's sensitive? Who's sensitive? Who's sensitive? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who's sensitive? Who's sensitive? Thank you. If you did what God said do, don't leave that location. Don't leave that location.
Some of y'all, God put people in your spirit to go and minister to. You, you heard. Now, you need to know that all of you that responded, that was God told you to do that. Because I didn't tell you, but that's what God told me to do. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tell you to do that. I didn't tell you to do that. God spoke to you and told you to do it. That was God speaking to your heart. You that are walking up, that's God speaking to you. That's God dealing with you. Now what I want you to do, whatever God puts in your mouth, because if God led you to do what you did, whatever God puts in your mouth, you speak it and you pray with that individual that God has put in your heart. Come a little closer to me, saints. Come a little closer.